Spiritual Sword Media presents The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. We're going to be talking today about the theme, what the Church of Christ is doing right. There are a lot of people within the church and many without the body of Christ who have from time to time derided the Church of Christ. There have been a lot of people that have criticized the church, sadly some of our own. And yet, I believe that there are some things that we are doing right. And there are many times that we emphasize negative things. And there ought to be a balance. There are some things that we're doing right. And we need to emphasize that as well. From a positive, constructive way, those of us who belong to the body of Christ ought to hold our heads high. And be grateful that we belong to the church that we read about in the New Testament. So today in our study we're going to be talking about some of the things that the church of Christ is doing right. There is a passage of scripture found in 1 Peter chapter 3 at verse 15 where Peter said, Sanctify the Lord God in your heart always. And be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. It is incumbent on us to know what we believe and to know why we believe it. When somebody asks you, why are you a member of the Church of Christ? If someone were to ask you, what are the benefits and the blessings of being a member of the church that you belong to? What would you say? Could you tell them that there are some things that you believe from a biblical perspective we're doing right? Let me just share with you some things that I believe the Church of Christ is doing right. Number one, the Church of Christ has the right builder. When we talk about the builder of the Church of Christ, we're saying that Jesus Christ himself is the one who built this organization. It was not built by some man who lives here upon this earth. It was not founded by some individual, nor was it founded by a number of individuals. But rather, Jesus is the builder of the church. In Matthew chapter 16, we read of Jesus coming into the coast of Caesarea Philippi. And the Bible tells us that he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus then asked the question, But whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus then said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, For flesh and blood is not revealed unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. 
And I also say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus promised to build his church, and he did. Not only did he build the church, but he purchased it with his own blood, according to Acts 20 at verse 28. Jesus is the builder of the church. He is also the founder of the church. And really that's synonymous because the idea is that Jesus built it, he founded it. In Psalm 127 verse 1, the psalmist said, Except the Lord build the house, they who labor, labor in vain. Jesus built the church, he founded the church, he is also the foundation of the church. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 at verse 11, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. And then also he is the chief cornerstone when we talk about the church. And the fact that the church attributes its origin to Jesus. We need to understand that he is the chief cornerstone. In Ephesians chapter 2, at verse 20, Paul, in writing to, to the saints in Ephesus, said that they were no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. He said, being built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, let me just say this. Since Jesus Christ built the church, since he is the founder of the church, since he is the foundation of the church, since he is the chief cornerstone, it would only stand to reason that the church would wear his name. We talk about things that the church of Christ is doing right. Why do we call ourselves the church of Christ? Well, because the church belongs to Christ. It's not my church, nor does it belong to any other individual. There are numerous designations in the New Testament identifying the corporate body that we call the church, the ecclesia, the called out. Some of those names are the church, Acts 2, verse 47. We read about the kingdom of heaven, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. The kingdom of God, Luke 10, verse 9. The churches of Christ, Romans 16, 16. The church of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. The church of the living God, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. These are scriptural names used to identify the corporate body of Christ, that is, the universal church, the believers, those of us who belong to the body of Christ. So, when we say, here are some things that the church of Christ is doing right, number one, the church of Christ has the right builder. Secondly, the church of Christ has the right head. Who is the head of the church? Where does the head of the church reside? Well, when we talk about the head of the church, the Bible designates Jesus Christ as the head of the body. What you and I need to understand is there's just one head. Equally so, there is just one body. In Ephesians 1, verse 22, Paul said he put all things in subjection under his feet and made him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In Colossians 1, verse 18, 
Paul said he is the head of the church or the head of the body, which is the church. The beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Who is the head of the church? Well, Jesus Christ is. We do not subscribe to the idea that we need any kind of, of head here on earth. We don't have a pope. We don't have a papacy. We don't have any world headquarters but rather each and every congregation is autonomous, governed by men who serve as elders, meeting the qualifications set forth in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. These men are the ones who oversee the church, but Jesus Christ is the head. Now I said there's just one head. And not only is there one head, there's just one body. How do I know that there's just one body? Well, Paul said in Ephesians 4, at verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. How many bodies did Paul say there were? Well, he said there's just one body. There's just one body and there's just one head. There are not two heads in one body, nor is there one head and multiple bodies. Just one head and one body. That being said, Jesus Christ is the king. We are simply the kingdom. The Bible says he is the king of kings and lord of lords. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 15. We are members of the kingdom. Colossians 1 verse 13. Revelation chapter 1 verse 9. Jesus Christ, he is the good shepherd. We're simply the sheep. John 10 verse 16. He is the vine, we are the branches, John 15, verse 5. So, Jesus Christ is our head. He is also called, well, He is the groom, we are the bride, Revelation 19, at verse 7. So, what about the church of Christ? What about some things that we're doing right? Well, number one, we have the right builder. Number two, we have the right head. Number three, we have the right standard of authority. When we talk about what we do by way of faith and practice, we're not talking about adhering to any kind of, of creed book, manual of faith. We're not submitting to any kind of legislative body here upon this earth. We're not submitting to any kind of papal decrees. But rather we are simply saying that we believe the Bible is our only standard of authority in matters of faith and practice. Here's what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God, who has authority in matters of religion, in matters of faith and practice. Well, Jesus Christ does. You remember I said a moment ago, Jesus is in heaven. If he's in heaven and we're on earth, how then does he legislate us as his body? Let me tell you how he does it. He left us his will, preserved in the form of the New Testament. Hebrews 9, verses 15 through 17. So you and I today, we appeal to the authority of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, All authority, all power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. In Matthew 17, verse 5, God the Father said concerning Jesus, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Hear him. In matters of religion, who do we need to hear? The Son of God. 
In Colossians 3.17, Paul said, Whatsoever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks unto God the Father through Him. What does it mean to do something by or in the name of it? It simply means to do it by His authority. We're doing everything by the authority of Jesus Christ. We're submitting to His will. We believe that the Bible is a pattern and that this pattern legislates our actions and our activities as members of the body of Christ. That's why Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, Hold fast the form or pattern of sound words which you've heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. So, we believe that the church of Christ is doing some things that are right. Some of those things are we have the right builder, we have the right head, we have the right standard of authority. Think about this for a moment. There are a lot of people in our world today that are misguided. Are they sincere and genuine? I wouldn't question that one bit. But they're following the doctrines and commandments of men. They're honoring man-made creeds, human organizations, if you please. The Bible is what's going to judge us. There's not a creed book on earth that's going to judge me on the final day. But Jesus said... He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. John 12, verse 48. Paul said, we know that the judgment of God is according to truth. Romans 2, 2. What is truth? That's what Pontius Pilate asked centuries ago. Jesus said, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. John 17, 17. The psalmist said, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway. Psalm 119, 105. That's why we need to read, study, and meditate on the Scriptures. Because ultimately, this book will, guide, this book will one day judge us. Read Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. John said he saw the dead, the small and great, standing before God. The books were open. What books? He's talking about God's Word. Those who lived under the Old Testament, they're going to be judged according to that testament. Those who lived under the New Testament, they'll be judged accordingly. So you and I today, we live under the Christian dispensation. We appeal to God's Word. Don't you think it only stands to reason that we want to follow this book? We're not interested in what other people have to say. Do, the, do people have good thoughts, good things to say from time to time? Absolutely. But in terms of our faith and practice, we're going to go by the Bible. That's what the church of Christ stands for, the Bible. Now, there are some people that think the authority rests in the church. The authority rests in the Bible. Look at the Bereans of old. They searched the Scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. Acts 17, verse 11. Jesus would say in John chapter 5, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. That's what we need to do. Make sure that what we're following is in accordance with the Bible. So I believe that's one of the things that the Church of Christ is doing right. That's one of the things that we have to be grateful for. That we're just individuals humbly striving to follow the New Testament to the best of our ability. Number four, the Church of Christ has the right terms of admission. You ever noticed how many people in our world today subscribe to any number of ways to become children of God? We live in a pluralistic society. There are individuals in our world today that will tell you it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter in whom you believe. 
Well, here's what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you and I are going to be saved, we're only going to be saved by one man, that is Jesus Christ. Luke tells us in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The only person that has the power to save you from sin is Jesus Christ. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not any other kind of Eastern religion, only Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus himself said that he came to seek and to save the lost, Luke 19.10. The angel of God said that Mary would bring forth a son, his name would be called Jesus, and he would save his people from their sins, Matthew 1.21. Well, where then is salvation located? It's located in Christ, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. Paul said, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. What does the Bible say about a person becoming a New Testament Christian? Do we say the sinner's prayer? You can read the book of Acts, beginning in chapter 1 all the way through. Not one time will you ever read about the sinner's prayer. You do read about people hearing the gospel and believing. Acts 15, verse 7. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How do, how do people come to know about the Christ? They hear the Word of God. How do they come to a saving faith in the Son of God? They hear His, they hear His message. That's why the disciples went everywhere preaching the Word. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So here's somebody, they've heard the gospel. Now they believe that what they've heard is true. They believe that what they heard about Jesus is true, that He is the Son of God. You remember what Peter said in the long ago? We believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You and I, we have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Those of us who belong to the body of Christ, we believe in the importance of hearing the gospel. We believe in the importance of believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. In other words, unless you believe Jesus is God's Son, you'll die in your sins. Without faith, it's impossible to be well-pleasing to Him. Hebrews chapter 11 at verse 6. Then you have to repent. That's the hard part. You've got to give up a life of sin. On Pentecost Day, Peter said to those assembled in the city of Jerusalem, Repent. Repentance means a change of mind, a change of heart. <clears throat> it is to do a 180, to make it about face. It's to give up a life lived for the devil. The Bible talks about godly sorrow that leads to repentance. That's what we're talking about. Jesus said, I tell you nay, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish, Luke 13, 3. Then we believe that you have to confess with your mouth that you believe Jesus is the Son of God. Last Sunday, we had two individuals who made the good confession. They acknowledged Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God. You remember what the eunuch did on his way home? He had been to Jerusalem to worship. He came to understand that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah spoken of in Isaiah 53. 
The Bible says he acknowledged that he believed Jesus Christ was the Son of the living God. Acts 8 verse 37. Then a person has to be immersed in water. Why do we believe a person has to be baptized or immersed in water? Because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's not hard to understand. As a matter of fact, I would imagine that there's not an English teacher in the state that could draw up an easier to be understood sentence than that. He that believeth, number one, and is baptized, number two, shall be saved. We teach that a person has to be baptized into Christ to be saved. We believe that the Bible teaches a person has to be baptized in order to enjoy the remission of sins. Acts 2 verse 38. That is forgiveness. A person has to be baptized into Christ in order for his or her sins to be washed away. Acts 22 verse 16. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 13, By one spirit were you all baptized into one body. Why be baptized into Christ? Because that's where the blood of Christ is. Jesus shed his blood in death, John 19, verse 34. If you want to be where the blood of Christ is, you have to go where it was shed. Where was it shed? In his death. That's why Paul said in Romans 6, verse 3, Know you not that all we who are baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. When you're baptized into the death of Christ, you contact the blood of Christ, the grace of God, the mercy of God, to sum it all up, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, Ephesians 1, verse 3, among which is redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, Ephesians 1, verse 7. And then, the Bible says you have to be faithful till death. Once, you, once you're baptized into Christ, you belong to God. Paul said, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and spirit, which are God's. You belong to God. That's why Jesus said, be faithful until death. Even in the face of death, you live a faithful life. What's the promise? I'll give you the crown of life. The Stephanos, the victor's crown. So we believe that the church of Christ is doing some, right, is doing some things that are right. One of the things that we believe the Church of Christ is doing right is that we have the right terms of admission. And bear in mind, the terms of admission that we're talking about, they did not originate with me, with Alexander Campbell, or with any other human, person, human being. But rather they originated with the Son of God. Jesus is the one that has the authority to legislate the terms of admission into His kingdom. He is the king. What are we? We're the kingdom. Well, the king sets the terms of admission into his kingdom. That's why Paul said, giving thanks unto the Father who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of light. He's translated us out of the power of darkness and delivered us into the kingdom of God's dear Son in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Finally, or fifthly, let me suggest that the church of Christ has the right pattern for worship. When we talk about worshiping God, we understand that the Lord is the one who has the prerogative or the right to legislate how we worship. The word worship means acts of reverence paid to deity. We are giving God what He is rightfully due. Since God 
Since God is God, and since God is our Creator, and we bow in His presence, doesn't it stand to reason that we would want to worship Him according to His will? Jesus said, God is spirit, they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We are the assembly, He is the audience. We worship Him with the right attitude and by His authority. That's what Jesus is saying in John 4, verse 24. The acts of worship that we engage in all are found in the New Testament. We believe in singing. We believe in singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. Colossians 3, verse 16. We sing, we teach, we admonish, we praise God. Ephesians 5 Verse 19, we do so without any kind of, of accompaniment by an instrument of music. You see, we believe that the instrument that is to be plucked or played is the human heart. That's what Paul said in Ephesians 5, verse 19. We sing with grace in our heart to Almighty God. I, I understand, under the old covenant, they used instrumental music. You can read the Psalms and verify that, but we're not talking about what they did under the Old Covenant. We're not talking about what David did. We're not talking about what the Israelite people as a whole did. We're talking about the church today living in the 21st century, governed by the law of Christ, Galatians 6, verse 2. God said we're to sing. That excludes everything else. So we sing with grace in our hearts to God. We have the proclamation, the preaching of divine truth, Acts 20, verse 7, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. We partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week, just like they did in the first century, Acts 2, verse 42, Acts 20, at verse 7. We pray to God. We believe in the importance of prayer, Acts 2, verse 42, 1 Timothy chapter 2, at verse 8. We also believe... In the giving of our means, as set forth by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Now I know that there are a lot of people that criticize the church. There are a lot of people that have the idea that, that maybe we're arrogant or that we're haughty. But I think that when people get to know us, they know that we're trying to be a loving, kind God-fearing group of people. All we're trying to do is honor what the New Testament says. We're simply trying to submit to the Lord. To do everything that He says, nothing more, nothing less. To be biblical. To honor His Word. There are a lot of other things that I believe the Church of Christ is doing right. These are just a few. But I would encourage you, as you talk to your friends, your neighbors, your family members... Tell them what the church of Christ is doing right. Don't be ashamed to tell people. This is what the Bible says, and this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're trying to follow. We're simply trying to follow what is taught in the New Testament because we believe that ultimately this book will one day judge us. So that's what we're submitting to. Maybe you're here today, you're not a member of the body of Christ. Maybe you've never obeyed the gospel. Why not do what they did on Pentecost? Peter said it right. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, 
for the remission of your sins. That's how we make New Testament Christians. Are we saying that, that baptism is the most important act? No, we're not. We're saying that you have to have faith, that you have to have repentance, confession, baptism, and then entrance into the kingdom of God. And then faithfulness. Maybe you're here today and you're not faithful. Maybe your life is not what it ought to be. Could we encourage you to come home? We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. We believe that God will abundantly pardon. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Their wings of strife. When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Hi, Mike Hickson. We hope you've enjoyed the Anchor the Soul radio broadcast. Our worship services at the Olive Branch Church of Christ begin at 10 a.m. each Sunday morning. Our Sunday evening service starts at 6 p.m. If you're in the Olive Branch area, we would love to have you visit with us. Services at the Olive Branch Church of Christ are streamed live over the Internet each week. Please visit our website for additional details. That website is www.olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Join us again next Sunday morning on this station at 8.30 a.m. for the Anchor of the Soul. This is a presentation of Spiritual Sword Media.